Hey listeners, brief content warning going into this episode, we do discuss themes of suicide, so if that is not your jam for today, feel free to skip this one and take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls at Dong and Rumpa podcast. Today we are going to be discussing episode 9, the future and despair arcs of Dong and Rumpa 3, the anime, and we are full of despair. And And we're about to spoil some stuff. We will spoil some stuff, and that stuff includes the Danganronpa 3 anime, ninth episodes. That's it, and I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. I'm Caroline. And we are the Ultra Hope Girls. One, two. Welcome to the Danganronpa podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. That's oddly appropriate because of the imposter reveal. I noticed when I watched this episode that Chairman Tangan sounds a lot like Channing Tatum. I think that that is a great (laughs) um, thing that you brought up there. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Thank you. I have a note kind of similar to that actually um well i have that um at the top of the episode you know how uh monokuma is like i'm gonna do a like recap of the episode which is hilarious um he calls biakia glasses mcdark face (laughs) i thought that was funny wait no glasses mcdork face right oh wait i thought it was dark but dork would make more sense i think it's glasses mcdork (laughs) face doesn't have a dark face I was just listening and they were like, yeah, the same thing happened to Chairman Tangan. And for some reason, my brain is like, Channing Tatum is in this game? <laughs> <laughs> you wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's an earthquake. And then we find out pretty much in the first, you know, two minutes that we are under the sea, under the sea. <laughs> we do be. I, I had a moment, so kind of like you were saying, Caroline, you, like at the top of the episode, this episode in particular, Monokuma's like, oh, like this episode is going to be a recap episode of all of the things that have happened so far. And like, I knew in my logical brain that that was not actually the case, but because it's been so long since we've recorded for this, part of me was like, oh, thank goodness, a recap. I really needed that. And then he was like, JK. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Never mind. So, okay, was it just me or did anyone else kind of have the feeling that like the big twist about them being underwater like wasn't really that much of a shock? I don't know. Like to me, it felt like that was supposed to be like one of the big twists of the series and it just didn't land for me. I guess it didn't just it just didn't have like that much of an impact. I was just like, "Oh, that's weird." Okay. And like moving on, like I wasn't mind blown by it. I was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Um, So I don't know. I felt like that kind of twist didn't really have the impact that I think maybe the creators wanted it to. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. I also kind of wasn't that shocked by that twist. And I think that it's because like in Danganronpa at this point, we already know it's things are not what they seem, you know? Um, And so when I got to that point, I was like, oh yeah, okay. And I think that's why they threw it at like the very top of the episode is because they were like, oh, you know, like this is obviously like, a twi- <laughs> you know, gotcha. I mean? yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Caroline is competing with me for most sultry voice this episode. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, I think she's winning, but um, <laughs> um, it's because I'm sick. I'm gonna give that disclaimer now. <laughs> yeah, I was not surprised either. Um, I find a lot of things interesting on this podcast, and that was not one of them. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I honestly can't remember if it comes into play I mean later like we know that Hiro and Byakuya above ground have been fighting for the wrong place um so in that regards we know that it's going to take the rescue teams longer to get to them but other than that like you were saying both of you like the plot twist doesn't really do much to twist the game which Mm -hmm. is irregular compared to the other twists Right, because it's like, oh, guess what? Like, you're underwater. You really can't escape now. Well, they already right. <laughs> couldn't escape. So, yeah, I feel like it didn't really add that much. I don't know. I also feel like um, because that was at the beginning of the episode and maybe the normal viewer would be like, oh, like, okay, that's the twist of the episode. We're underwater. And then they're not going to see coming the real twist that happens at the end of the episode, which is Kyoko dying, which is... Stop. I, yeah, I uh, <laughs> don't say it because we think we thought our kids were safe because they were survivors before, but they are not safe. Stop! I'm gonna cry. I was hoping we could maybe just brush over that part, pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> um, I would say it's rather important. <laughs> My Sorry. Girl. Okay, I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's really true, Caroline. My next note is that there is a moment when like Munakata is like fighting Gekko Gahara and like he like slashes her like cuts her in half at this point we know she's a robot so it's not really like I don't know if it's murder at that point but he he definitely like destroys her Gekko Gahara whatever she is um and in this like moment, he's kind of talking out loud to himself and thinking about like, oh, I'm going to destroy all the despair. I'm going to become the hope, blah, 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 blah. And there is um, a moment when like this kind of struck me. He tells himself and the quote that I got from the um, subtitles is he says, what I'm doing isn't wrong. And he says that to himself, like he's trying to convince himself of it. And I just feel like if you are ever doing something and you are having to effortfully convince yourself by telling yourself what I'm doing is not wrong, then what you're doing probably is wrong. So, so am I not supposed to tell myself that it's not wrong to be gay, Maddie? (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes I think I have to be like, this isn't wrong. That's true. I guess I meant it in more of like, like, uh, (laughs) right? Like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like to me, that is a reflection of he is doubting his own conscience, right? Like, he clearly does not 100% feel like what he's doing is right because he's needing to convince himself. And I think that itself is evidence that Munakata is on the wrong path and is not doing the right thing but but I hear you I hear you (laughs) honestly when I watched this scene I didn't get as much of a sense that he was struggling with the decisions he was making um like even like he stabs Juzo right and he's like you know like despair is gonna pay me back for that but it's like he doesn't really seem 
to be that phased by his decisions and what impact they might have. And that really reminded me this whole scene with the look or not the look with uh gecko gahara's eyes being red he looked a lot like anakin skywalker with the red lightsaber and he acts in such a similar way like i'm kind of (laughs) startled that i haven't thought of this before he reminds me of the revenge of the sith anakin where it is black and white he's like lost himself so completely it's like he literally says anakin literally says if you are not with me then you are my enemy and obi-wan says only a sith deals in absolutes and it's like it's a meme that whole movie i know like star wars people are like it's not good but like it's him. It's so him. It's so purposeful to make him look like that. But Marin, only a Sith deals in absolutes. So if they think that entire movie is bad, then they are Sith. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> My sick brain is so wise today. <laughs> I think we should name this episode I Don't Like Sand. You guys know that monologue? I do. It's coarse. Okay. Anakin when he's like flirting with Padme he's like I don't like sand it's coarse rough irritating and it gets everywhere (laughs) not like you you're everything soft and sweet yeah and I also think it's interesting one thing I noticed about the character design of Munakata at this point kind of reminds me of Shirakuma a little bit in like the half and half, like with the bandage. Um, And another thing I noticed is that when people are poisoned and they die, um, they have half with the red bloody eye and half just their normal face, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I noticed that too. I have never noticed that. That is wild. Well, whoop-de-doo, Nancy Drew. (laughs) (laughs) So I know I said that the twist about being underwater was not that surprising to me, but I did not expect it at all when Munakata puts a sword right through Juzo's body. Like, where did that come from? Like, bro, what? Yeah. I think it's because Juzo's in love with his woman. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's that part where he's like, I, you know, like when when he's like, I gotta tell you something, and he's like, no. (laughs) I don't want to hear it, you know. But then he says like, he's like, like why why would you do this to me and he and Munakata just says you know why so I'm like I don't know if I missed something or if there's woman yeah yeah well it could be that we do learn through Juzo a couple more of the bracelets that we didn't know previously um they like flash across the screen and are translated so we learn that Chiza would have died if Munakata died which I think Mm -hmm. is an interesting parallel to Kyoko and Makoto's situation. Right. And we learned that great Gozu can't get pinned to the ground for more than three seconds, which I think personally is a connection to how maybe Monokuma thought that he and Juzo would fight constantly. Mm -hmm. You know, with Juzo, wait, is Juzo a boxer or a wrestler? He's a boxer. Boxer. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I thought he was a wrestler. I take it back. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point, though. Great Gozu is so powerful. I don't think he could ever be held down for more than three seconds. I agree. Also, it's interesting that, like, related to Munakata, is that Kyoko says that this game favors the vice chairman 
which is very interesting just to think about moving forward because you know that's been inserted into the narrative episode nine of like 13 so probably not that looking at it from a storytelling perspective but very interesting and i'm curious to see what role he will play moving forward now that we're kind of down to like seven people i think where we can focus more on everybody in the in the game um speaking of kyoko caroline would you say that kyoko is like a trusted source like would you trust her in general i know exactly why you're saying that because i wrote Mm -hmm. this quote down because it's quite adorable. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Oh, wow. Okay. He says that Makoto is the strongest human being she's ever known. And then I just said, okay, I ship it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, not me and Makoto. Kyoko and Makoto. Oh, okay. But I, I just, um, I think it's very interesting because, you know, when I view, you know, Kyoko, I, I see her as someone of strength, like somebody who is like, you know the epitome of strength but to her maybe she's learned from makoto that like true strength lies in persevering and um working together and hope please stop making that face (laughs) (laughs) guys we're slowly tricking her into saying nice things (laughs) so when when is the wedding caroline Hmm, good question no (laughs) We're not getting married. <laughs> you're not, you're I not just, getting married I, to Makoto? I've, I've, I appreciate him a little bit now. Ooh. Okay, that's a start. Marin, that's a start, right? I agree. I, I think that we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did have a note about that, though. I thought it was really, really cute. Um, the moment when Kyoko took off her glove to hold Makoto's hand, like I, that, that is such, that is a gesture of trust right there, you know, like that is, and that is contrasting right next to the scene where we see the flashback of Rurika, like killing her boyfriend and being like, I'm going to betray you. So you can't betray me. Like, and then it's Kyoko, like trusting Makoto and I hate to admit it, but dying for Makoto, literally, I am just like, oh my god, I, you know, that Kyoko is like the proof that there are good people in the world who will not betray you, and who you can trust, and who will trust you, and she, I, I can't, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it, she's, she my girl she will live on forever in my heart but yeah I agree with you Caroline in the point that I think I I kind of see like I ship it a little bit more now I think with the um Nayagiri I will say Kyoko and Makoto because I think in the first game in Trigger Happy Havoc it was implied that kind of relationship a little bit but it was ambiguous right like you could also make an argument for it just being totally platonic but I think in this show it kind of basically becomes canon yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. I also want to say in that moment when Kyoko is holding Mikoto's hand, she says, if you lose sight of who you are, we'll remind you. And that was like, that is true friendship right there. Like, I thought of you guys immediately, like when she said that, because it's like, you know, real friends aren't just going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you who you are and, you know, what you should hear. And I got, I was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> I got a little emotional. 
I was just going to say, I learned about some of the voice actors in this. Um, Colleen Clickenbeard, which is the greatest name. She plays Momo Yairozu in My Hero Academia. And Momo. she directs My Hero Academia, the English dub, which no I think kidding. is very cool. But you wow. can definitely hear it in the in the dub of uh, Danganronpa. And then uh, Yoi is... Um, I believe. Let me actually fact check myself on this because I'm pretty sure. Isn't Ryota also Midoriya? Yes. I remember. I knew that as that soon recently. as he opened his mouth. I was like, I was shook. <laughs> I didn't know that because I've been watching the subtitled version, but I can see that for Ryota. Yes, I'm right. Okay, so another voice actor fun fact is that Brandon McKinnis is the English dub actor for Yoi, and he also plays my husbando from My Hair Academia. Sir Nighteye and his husbando in real life is J. Michael Tatum, who voices uh, Principal Kirigiri and also wrote and translated the adaptation, not translated, but it wrote the adaptation for Danganronpa 3. Wow. And that's no fun. kidding. Yeah. So that's very fun. Or you know. <laughs> there you go. Voice actor facts with Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Speaking of Yoi, what on earth? Uh, just in the in the scene where Rurika literally murders him and he's like it's okay it's not a betrayal like I understand Rurika like what (laughs) I'm sorry like I think Marin I think you had like brought up the theory in a past episode about like Rurika brainwashing Yoi and this made me believe it because I was like who what on earth boy like you just got backstabbed and literally murdered by your girlfriend and you're reacting like everything's fine right and listen though if you think about the parallels between yoi and rurika and kyoko and makoto and like their relationship dynamic it's like we have an example of like a manipulative gaslighting girlfriend who basically controls her partner into and then she kills him on purpose and then we have makoto and kyoko who I, I guess this is a good time to bring this up, but like who remind me of like what I use as like my definition of true love when you have true love for somebody. It's like a yellow birch tree, how, you know, in order to thrive, the yellow birch has to grow out of the, the roots of another tree because the tree falls over in the forest and the yellow birch, their seeds are so small that it can only thrive in, you know, soil that is made deep for them. And so in order for them to thrive, another tree has to die. And like, not saying you have to die for your partner, but I think love, you know, true love is putting the other person before yourself. We're going to have a really hard time picking between I don't like sand and a yellow birch tree for the title of this episode. Oh, I actually came up with a title, (laughs) which, which is whose hope is real dramatic Ugh. which we don't have to use but that was a quote from one of them but yeah so that that i mean cute. it's interesting to see the parallels there yeah i like the yellow birch tree as a possible title that is really cute and yeah i actually i had notes about this section too because i wrote down a couple quotes um Yoi says i care about you more than i do myself and rurika says i know you do you don't have it in you to throw me to the wolves but if you lied to me, I couldn't go on living. So she kills him. It makes no sense. It's, it is actually delusional, like delusional It It is is the thought process of if I can't have you, no one can, or like, 
almost like you can't have yourself if I can't have it's you. like preemptive protection to potential heartbreak. Yeah. Literally yeah. Is that. And I mean, that's wrong. And again, like, I also want to emphasize from my point of like putting your, someone else's needs above yours in a healthy relationship that's happening on both ends. So that's not something that, you know, Yoy is doing that, but she is not right. Yeah. She's putting her own needs always first. Yeah. Yeah. And she literally is like, so scared that he's going to betray her that she kills him and betrays him first so that that right. can happen. Like she literally says so. And that, I mean, that's proof right there. She doesn't trust him. She doesn't trust her own boyfriend. There is zero trust there. And that is really sad. It's almost like this game was going to be called distrust or something. I don't know. Mm. Almost. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Almost. But <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Yeah. I also, I wrote down the quote that she says once he's gone, like right before she ends up getting murdered, which she says, what now the time limit's almost up. I'll survive this. You may be gone, Yoy, but I'm not alone. When I get out of here, I can make other friends, tons of them. It'll be easy. All I have to do is stay alive and never let anyone betray me. And it's so sad because I think something that I personally often forget, and Maddie will remind me, is the human nature involved with these characters. You know, like we expect them to be perfect and to not betray each other and to not become victims of this game. But all of these people are human. And even if Rurika had made it out, the people that she would meet are human. And we're like, we're flawed. Like, so she is so alone. I don't know that I've met a character who is more alone because she will never find someone who will never betray her. That person doesn't exist. We're human. And so it's just like that broke my heart. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, Marin, I really agree with that. I also thought it was really sad how she was expressing the idea that like she killed Yoi, but it doesn't matter because she can just go find new friends. It's like he's this disposable person and she can just pick up new friends like their, you know, accessories. And I'm like, that, I mean, I mean, that is so shallow and so sad. And like, I think Rurika is a really good example of how throughout all of these killing games, it's like, there are so many people trying to betray each other and kill each other so that they can get out, they can survive, but they're going to be alone when they do, you know, that it's like, how is that worth it? You know? Also when Rurika dies, I, the, the visual was so good. <laughs> like it was uh, gruesome, but like, just like her candy was surrounding her. And I think that that might've been what killed her, which is an interesting like or like whoever killed her like used some her own thing against her does that make sense yeah yeah scattered around i have to comment on the fact that hina i love hina when she just like pushes that thing out of the way that took two grown-ass men to try (laughs) to push and i loved that yeah what Um, an icon i mean we know kyo not kyo yeah um different person um ryota (laughs) when ryota is like made is so weak it's like that episode of parks and rec when like april's trying to get into like the um jerry's christmas party and Anne's like blocking her and and (laughs) she's like fighting and then Anne's like how are you this week i'm not pushing that hard (laughs) that's ryota in my mind anyway sorry that was a tangent yeah kyoko in in caps it says kyoko no this is so rude i hate the series that i love (laughs) yeah agreed um, I am just so, A, sad. I mean, Kyoko is my girl. 
I love her so much. And this is, I mean, there, there was that episode earlier on where we thought Hina was dead at the end of the episode. And then turns out she's not. And that was really sad, but like Kyoko is like my favorite character ever. And so this was, this is brutal, but I also just have so much respect for her. She's just amazing because like, I bet you, I mean, probably the mastermind of this game gave her that forbidden action to try and get her and Makoto to turn against each other. You know, like that, that's the whole point of this. They're trying to get everyone to turn against each other, whoever the mastermind is. And it's just like, it didn't work. It didn't work on Kyoko, you know, because she just didn't, she just refused to give into that. And she was like, you know, if what it takes for me to live is that I have to kill my friend, I'm not going to do it. And she didn't converse question is that even a thing converse i have a question that goes conversely to that okay i would like to counter that with the question um we're gonna go with that last one (laughs) was the goal to get kyoko to kill makoto or was the goal for makoto to find out and to kill himself see i think he would do that because I Oof, think he would do that, know. and I don't think she would kill him. I mean, we see she did not kill him. So. I mean, clearly, he's, yeah. he's a little baby, and he loves her so much. Yep. I could honestly see that being the thing that would take him out, is his love towards like him other people. sacrificing himself for Man, her. I hadn't even thought of that. That's oh what I goodness. thought. Maddie, you wow. murderous Yeah, theme. Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because no, like... Yeah. It does not surprise me that Kyoko would refuse to do something like that. But yeah, I mean, you guys might be right. Maybe the goal of it was eventually for Makoto to end up dead. And it did not turn out that way. Yeah. Which I think is so interesting because I don't know that, well, maybe Chisa would have sacrificed herself for Munakata. I think she would have. Yeah. So that just draws on the parallels between them even more. Yeah, she's willing to do it for... um her 16 kids she'd do it for the love of her life yeah there are some parallels there it's really interesting though that you mentioned that but it's like Chisa's the Makoto mm-hmm. and then oh yeah Munakata's the Kyoko mm. yeah yeah mm. maybe Kyoko was seeing you know how um Munakata was acting without Chisa and maybe she was like rut row could be me so let's not do that <laughs> yeah all right i have one more note it is that some of the music here when kyoko is lying dead on the ground reminds <laughs> <me> a lot <laughs> it reminded me a lot of ultra despair girls music specifically it's the song secret bass dash what the adults gave me don't really have any comments on that it's just it's interesting that they are bringing in the ultra despair girls type music into this anime versus maybe some of the music from the other games like the main games I don't know I just we obviously have these seasons combined the anime and the ultra despair girls game and there's a purpose to that like these two are a little bit similar in the darkness or the darker side to them compared to the main games I agree. And uh, yeah, you're right. Like this anime, I mean, we'll get into it um, in the next episode we're going to talk about, but just crosses so many lines with like gore that we have not ever seen before. Especially in the episode coming up, the episode nine of the despair arc. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, we are about to take a quick break, but 
If you want to have your voice featured on our podcast, please feel free to leave us a voice message at anchor.fm. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, on our podcast. Uh, If you have questions that you'd like to have the chance to get answered in our season finale episode, you can send those there. We'd love to hear from you. We also have a lot of bonus episodes and bonus content from our podcast on our Patreon. The lowest tier is just $2 a month to get access to all of that content. And there are additional perks as you go up tiers. So if you're interested in that, please do check it out. We would love to have you join us. Um, We have an awesome community of patrons right now, and we would love to have you join them. All right, we will be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Caroline here with a pretty exciting announcement. So I, separate from the other Ultra Hope girls, am offering some online virtual classes in things such as writing, because, you know, I'm the ultimate literary girl, and performing, and also some clubs and classes virtually via my own school, which I founded, called The Spilling Ink School. You can check that out at thespillinginkschool.com. I'm offering tutoring and college essays. I'm offering, you know, piano classes and all that jazz. So definitely check it out. It's a good time. And I will also be offering some clubs and classes that are Danganronpa related via OutSchool. So I'll keep the links all in the description. They are for people under 18, so ask your parents before checking it out. But yeah, I'm excited to potentially have some listeners in my classes, and I wanted to let you know that that's going on. So thanks so much in advance for checking it out, and I look forward to teaching some of you. Shall we? Let's jump into it. I have fewer notes for this one. Me too, yeah. I mean, I can start because going directly off of that point, my first point of this episode is the guy literally like decapitating himself with a saw is like the most horrific thing we've seen so far in this entire series, in my opinion, um, or one of them, one of the most horrific things. So yeah, I mean, they really went there. I think it's interesting that he's all blue because it's like, he's this character who's coming in and is having this moment. And it seems like maybe he's, would be more like significant enough to warrant an actual character design but he's still just all blue i think that like the implication there is that he's just like a nobody he's like some reserve course student i don't know but so he's blue and the blood is pink which makes it a little less disturbing i think just because it's not realistic so it's like i think kind of like masking it a little bit for us making it a little bit less like just blatantly horrific but it's still pretty horrific yeah um it's funny because like junko knows that the kids are all going to come after their teacher right that's kind of the thing that come you know that leads up to that and like i found a lot of parallels with like whoever set up you know the rules of the mutual killing in the future arc like played people's strengths against them like i think a strength of the students in this class is that they're very loving and loyal to each other and their teacher 
and the fact that you know like Junko's like knows that and is using their hope to bring them despair like in the end which is genius <laughs> it's like wild yeah but yeah but yeah that scene is so horrifying and I'm so glad that the blood was pink oh gosh I paused the episode after that scene took a walk and came back to it because I needed a break that was a lot I mean the next thing I have is that Chiaki is the person who makes the empowering speech to get everybody to come and you know go after Chisa kind of like Kyoko is the one in this other mirror episode to give the empowering speech to the rest of the group and to Makoto and I just thought it's very interesting duality there um, that I enjoyed yeah I think that Chiaki has a lot of character growth that we can see throughout the arc of this season. And I I really love that for her. This is one of my biggest points is here because I actually found this moment to be a moment of weakness for Chiaki in that this scene to me really showed me the kids age, like the kids ages, because in all reality, Nagito, yes, he was trying to have them pass a test of their hope to be able to to beat Junko and Izuru, but he was really right. He was like, you've been praised your whole life for being the best, but you can't hope to beat them. You know I'm right. And Chiaki literally says basically, yes, but are you okay with abandoning abandoning her? And like that means that they're going to fail. Like there there is a point where hope becomes foolish and I know this whole game is about hope and blah 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 but there is a point (laughs) where hope becomes foolish and this leads into my thought that and Maddie I really want your opinion specifically about this but I think that a lot of these kids probably have been affected by phenomenological personality psychology in that the classic textbook phenomenological person is someone who as they were being raised was given unconditional love was told like you look good in everything you wear I love you even though you went and you know hurt that kid or I love you even though you treated this friend poorly and so they learn to not need love because they expect that it will always be there and so it's just this very interesting mindset and that's a drastic example but it's someone who has been given too much love and thus doesn't know when they should stop or when they're not doing Mm. something correct. And these kids have been told their entire lives that they are great. They are talented. They are the best at what they do. They can't do wrong. They literally don't go to class. They have no classes. They can do whatever (laughs) they want because they're so great. And so in this time of conflict, they don't know that they need help because they've never been treated like people who need help and I I just anyways that was a lot of words please I I think you might be right Marin. I mean there is um it's it's really actually an interesting point that you bring up because in my psychology of learning class is actually where I learned something along a similar line of like you know unconditional love is good and you should love you like for instance your kids like you should love your children unconditionally you should love your family members unconditionally, blah, 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 blah. Like, um, of course, there might be certain situations where like abusive family members or things like that are exceptions to the rule, but you 
generally should love your children unconditionally, but when you like, there needs to be almost like a healthy balance of, for like when a kid is growing up, there needs to be a healthy balance of giving them positive reinforcement unconditionally to the point where they feel loved and secure and, you know, they feel like they will receive nice things and they feel safe, but it can't all be unconditional. There has to be some positive reinforcement that is in response to their behavior and what they are doing. Because if it's all completely random and unconditional and none of their behavior has an impact on any kind of reinforcement or treatment that they are getting, then that leads to this very external locus of control where essentially it's like a learned helplessness kind of thing. Like a child, children will grow up to expect that their own behavior doesn't matter and they don't learn, they don't develop the kind of like autonomy that is good for them to learn. And so yes, unconditional love is good, but there is such a thing as too much of it being unconditional and being harmful to a kid's growth because then they they don't take any responsibility for their own actions they don't feel that like they can go out of their way to receive positive reinforcement by doing something good um because it's just been given to them randomly and unconditionally all their life i hope that makes sense but yes marin i think i agree with you yeah it's actually interesting because this is a little bit of a tangent so we can cut this if we want to but um like babies when babies are like developing and like learning how to navigate the world one of the things that is like so important to their learning process is they start to learn like a sense of self and autonomy and agency by like learning that they can affect things in the the world like a baby it's a very important moment for a baby when they learn that if they are holding a piece of like food in their hands and they open their hand, it'll fall to the floor. Like that's a consequence of their action. Right. And so like, you'll often see babies like smacking things and like throwing things on the ground and like, cause they're like observing, like what happens when I do this? What happens when I do this? And they're like learning that they can impact the world around them. That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Babies are interesting creatures. They're just, yeah. Um, my next note is that the imposter reveals himself like we know what he looks like but do we or is he just impersonating what the most impostery imposter looks like that's a good point oh my god when he literally just like rips his face off I was like was he wearing like a cast of Ryota's face (laughs) like I I was like oh okay that's not how I was expecting that to go a fun yeah. fact about that scene is that it's uh, Kadaka's favorite scene in the anime. Really? Yes. According to Dog and Rumpa Wiki. Huh. That huh. is super interesting. I wonder why. Not that it was a bad scene. I actually think it's really interesting. But why? <laughs> scene. I also wondered in the scene where like they're all trying to decide what they should do and like whether they should try to save Chisa or not. Like, why didn't they just call the police? Yes, that's what I mean about them not like showing their age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, the idealistic kind of, we can go and save them. Like, it, like, oh, we shouldn't abandon them. Like, correct. You shouldn't probably just like sit there and do nothing. But like, you can call the police. Like, you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> I also have another question to pose to the group. 
do we think that Gundam shaves his eyebrows or does he just not have any? He probably shaves them. He's like um, Nell Campbell in Rocky Horror Picture Show. How she just doesn't have any eyebrows, shaves them off. Yeah, I could see shaves them and then he could always like camouflage two hamsters there if need be. You know what I mean? <laughs> or two little they could just latch on. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank Cannon. you. Cannon. <laughs> So my next note is kind of kind of a silly one, but you know, and maybe it's important. Um, this is toward the end of the episode, but the moment when Ryota is like running away from Junko and he falls into the river and he says, all I did was love anime. <laughs> I just, I don't know if that's like a cautionary tale or if like the moral of the story is supposed to be that like, we can't love anime too much or we might like contribute to the collapse of society. I don't know, but... That, that line that hit home. Did crack me up so much. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that whole scene. He's like, like drowning in a lake. <laughs> and, and the angsty thing he has to say isn't, I'm leading to this destruction of humanity. I've unleashed something upon the world. It's all I did was love anime. <laughs> <laughs> I I also laughed when he's crawling on the shore and he's trying to climb up a steep wall and he grabs grass. <laughs> symbolic but i cannot take this seriously he he is he is a pitiful little man he really is fun fact i did that once on a riverbank by accident i was walking (laughs) and i slipped and i reached out to try and grab the first thing in front of me to try and not (laughs) fall into the river and it was a stinging nettle patch um and so i grabbed it and i screamed because it hurt (laughs) And then I let go and I fell into the river. <laughs> and then you said, I, all I wanted was to look at <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Zero out of 10 do not recommend. It was not a pleasant experience. Yeah, that sounds terrible, Maddie. That sounds horrible. God. <laughs> I had, I had an imprinted leaf pattern of sting marks on my hand, though. That was kind of cool. I'm glad that's cool for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's very uncool for me. (laughs) I actually really enjoyed this scene between Junko and uh, Ryota. I I mean, obviously the Ryota part was really funny, (laughs) but (laughs) the Junko part was interesting because most of the time when we see her, she is crazy. She's pretty insane. But I actually found myself being like, this is exactly what I would say in this scenario. She's like, oh, that's right. You haven't been responsible for your actions since we met. You can just run off this campus with your tail between your legs and everything's fine. And I was just like, like that level of sarcasm from her. I One, I was surprised she let him go. But like, two, it was just like, he cannot take any responsibility. Like, I literally was like, please, sir please just take one morsel, one morsel of responsibility and I will be happy. Well, but she no. knew she knew that if she let him go, that he would live in his own despair because he's such a pitiful little stack of sadness. That's true. There are worse things than death. I wasn't surprised that she let him go um, because I agree. I think he's running away, but he's not running from the despair. He's just running into more despair. Um, and I mean, his work is done. Like Jungo doesn't need him anymore. He's made the anime. She has 
this plan up her sleeve and I think that she doesn't need him anymore I'm sorry I'm just <laughs> thinking about how his despair is for grabbing the grass <laughs> 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 I just wanted to love anime. <laughs> Haven't we all been there? <laughs> like we go too far down AO3 and we're somewhere we didn't want to be. And we're like, all I wanted was to love anime. <laughs> oh, well, that's all my notes from I have this one episode. more note. So I don't want to steal Marin's thunder, but the title of this episode. <laughs> Is. oh no you're good my last okay. note is uh-oh stinky that's it so <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i wrote it down when, when chiaki got pushed down the thing <laughs> okay <laughs> I, i'm good you're good <laughs> okay we um, just that's not we're just not gonna get an explanation oh um, well i felt i felt like uh-oh this is a stinky situation if I've there we go there one. i am and that's my conclusion um what i wanted to say is that the name of this episode is chisi yukizome doesn't smile and two things one is that if you compare the shot because the last shot we see of the episode is chisa smiling if you compare that to her past self smiling it's very different if you like look at the pictures of them side by side it's very interesting um, the second thing is that title is the reference to a light novel called Boogie Pop Doesn't Smile. It's from the Boogie Pop series. Um, and basically it's the protag uh, K- KG, I believe, uh, Takeda. He stumble- stumbles across an old man that then ends up having the face of his girlfriend, which I thought was kind of like a... Um, you know, Chisa is in the body of Chisa, but her mind is not Chisa anymore because mm. of lobotomy so she it's not chisa committing those actions because her brain is literally different that does make me wonder do we then blame the kids for all the actions that they have when they're despairs well chisa had a medical procedure to change her brain may may i also throw in a fact yes yes um the the you know we talk about the physical the difference between you know, being brainwashed by like watching the video, like having a sensory experience and being brainwashed by having physical things done to your brain. But I will counter that whenever you learn something or form a memory, there are physical changes that happen in your brain. Oh, we are moving into Bedwed Behead, and today we are picking between Rurika, Kyoko, and Juzo, and the choices that we have selected for these people are give you brain surgery, uh, decorate for the holidays with, and take you to prom. I have my answer. And I don't love my answer, but I have reasons for it. I would decorate for the holidays with Rurika because ain't no way I'm trusting her to give me brain surgery and I don't want to go to prom with her because I don't like her I would oh this is so hard because I want to go to prom with Kyoko so badly but I think out of these three she's the only one that I would trust to give me brain surgery and you know not completely screw me up forever so I think I would have Kyoko give me brain surgery and that would leave me with going to prom with Jusa which I don't love 
but I think that's better than getting brain surgery from Chusa. Okay, so I would go to prom with Kyoko because she's so hot and I, especially in the anime, I gotta say, whoo boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'd go to prom with her and I feel like high school Caroline would have like melted if someone like Kyoko wanted to go to prom with me. And then I would have Rurika give me brain surgery. Hear me out. I feel like her medicine balls, like the like little balls of sugar treats she tweets, <laughs> <laughs> the little balls of sugar treats that she gives out, like they're probably they she probably has like things in them that could like make me like feel numb or like kind of like laughing gas or like whatever. And so I feel like from that perspective, maybe when she's not in a high stakes scenario where she's like murdering her boyfriend, maybe she would do an okay job. And then I would decorate for the holidays with Juzo because I think honestly, that would be super fun. And he's kind of tall. So he could like reach to the ornaments at the top of the tree, which would be really useful for me because I'm rather short. Um, so yeah. Hey, um, I would have Kyoko do my brain surgery. I agree that she'd probably be the only one who might succeed depending on what the surgery is. Yeah, like what's, what is the surgery? <laughs> I know, we were just like brain surgery. <laughs> Period. Um, I would decorate for the holidays with Juzo because I wouldn't trust the decorations. Like I feel like if Rurika decorated with me, all of the food I would have to throw out, you know? Like I wouldn't trust it after, mm, um, which yeah. I don't know. Holiday food is pretty great. Um, so that would make me sad. And then uh, I would take Rurika to prom because it's the shortest event of these three, debatably, <laughs> with the least long-term consequences, also debatably. <laughs> right, really. <laughs> I mean, brain surgery feels like pretty long-term <laughs> But also prom. That's, I, mean, I mean, prom is forever. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of ultra hope girls the danganronpa podcast we really appreciate you being here despite the sound of my voice right now i am sick i promise if you listen to any other episode i sound like a normal person um we are on facebook on twitter on instagram or ultra hope girls podcast pretty much everywhere and we have a patreon if you want to hear a bunch of bonus content maddie went off today on her psychology knowledge and if you want even more of that you got to check out our patreon her episodes on there are honestly killer and we also have other ways you can support us five star review on apple Podcasts is one way we also have a ko-fi if you're able to give a little at a time that's great um any way is helpful and just being a listener is helpful and we're so glad you're here and we'll see you in two weeks bye bye, bye.